Hey, twin. <laughs> We're color coordinated. Absolutely. This is very, very good. Where'd you get your headscarf from? Oh, girl. I never know. I just have like, probably in Harlem at one of the many like African fabric stores, get like three yards. I mean, like, give me three yards and I will do your thing. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? I mean, this is my friend's brand. She's got, she's got a brand called Love Yaya. So she sells, like, she doesn't specialize in customized. And we've done a few festivals. We did Afropunk two years in a row in New York. Oh, nice. We're, um, we're selling out there. So it was just so cool. And yeah, it's just. All right. That's a I great way to make some ends. I love it. Say you. But anyway, hi. Lovely to speak to you. Yes. Down with the British Blacklist. And um, just for our listeners, please, can you introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do? So my name is Rada Blank, a.k.a. Rodimus Prime. Uh, I'm the writer, director, and reluctant star <laughs> of the 40-year-old version. And when I'm not making movies, I'm writing rhymes and, and rhyming to myself in the mirror. I mean, I just, I was so excited because I think I missed in the first round of speaking to you. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so annoyed because I, I watched it and I resonated because I'm in my 40s. And no, I mean, you did the same girl because please you moisturize, you moisturize. And I bet you it's the, it's the African jeans. Y'all be a hundred and look 25. I'm like, it's not fair. Not fair. <laughs> it's, I mean, to be honest, to be fair and to likewise, same because you don't look like you're hitting 40 either, but it oh, was girl, no, I'm closer to 50. Are you kidding? I'll get out. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a journey getting the film made. Yes, I can't <laughs> imagine. And this is the thing, and this is the part that I was just like, it's not often you get a little slice of wonderful joy that just so speaks to you. Oh, In- you know, it's so funny. I, I want to say that I, I sat down and wrote it with that intention, but to be honest, it really was just about me exercising a demon. You know, like I'm still still dealing with the death of my mom. She was my best friend. We had the same birthday and the film gave me something to do with it. And then before that, the the live show, the Rodimus Prime show gave me something to do with my feelings. I had no idea that it would resonate with women as deeply as it does. And I, I get it though, because as a person who consumes a lot of story and film and cinema, I understand the need to at some point, see yourself in a story. And one of the stories I saw myself in was Losing Ground by Kathleen Collins. It was her first and only feature film. She's one of the first Black women to helm, like direct, write, produce a feature film. It was shot in New York in the very early 80s. And it looks very early 80s. But Mm. what I loved about that film is you have this Black woman portrayed so amazingly by Sorette Scott, who is still teaching and directing theater. You have this black woman who's a philosophy professor. She's married to a very like eccentric and kind of out there artist who kind of does what he wants. And she's having like an identity crisis. You know, she has these students who worship her and think she's amazing. And she has a mom who is divorced, but still like very sexual and of the world. And she is like, what the hell am I doing? I don't even know who I am, you know? And so without me planning to do this, I guess the film becomes this story about a woman and still having self-discovery at 40, you know, without necessarily having that be the plan. I realized that the film, you know, black women, especially are holding on to it. And that means a lot to me. 
because I've been in that place where I'm looking for myself in a story. I mean, you just you just gave me that answer because that's exactly what it is. And because I was going to ask you where, at what point of your life did the determination to bring this story meet you? Because it's like, as you said, that moment of like, do you know what, F it, I'm just going to do this because- Yeah, because you know what? I think like a lot of things, sis, it comes out of adversity. I had just scored my first screenwriting gig, like official gig where I would get paid and I would get in the union and it was adapting a book that I loved and I got fired off of it. <laughs> the first draft they loved, second draft they loved, third draft not so much and I was devastated. Third draft didn't like it so that was it, no less, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah and you know that's how it is in this business I've learned it's like you are hired, someone has the power to let you go if you're not giving them what it is that they and they, they're rightfully so. The interesting thing about it is my mother, God bless her soul. She said to me while I was crying, like, mommy, how did this, I just got into the union in my first screenwriting job, blah, blah, blah. She's like, right up, I promise you, you're going to thank these people one day. Hi. And so I'm saying thank you for firing my ass because after that experience, I was like, I need to very much like my protagonist, take my own voice back. Yeah. And how can I do that? How can I create work and never get fired? And so that's why I decided I was gonna write, direct, star in something <laughs> so that I could be in complete control of how my narrative shows up in the world. You know, I would shoot it if I had to on an iPhone, yeah. you know? And so 40 year version was a web series first, 10 episodes. And what I liked about that is I could shoot this. I find people crazy enough to invest their time and monies into the web series and then upload it online, which mm -hmm. is where, you know, people like Issa Rae cultivated her first audience. Yeah, so I learned from her model and I learned from people like Jill Scott, who as a local artist in Philly, many people didn't know what she looked like, but that mixtape was just like getting out in the world. And so that created a hunger and it cultivated an audience for her. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just cultivate my own audience in this yeah. web series. What I did not count on though, was two weeks before we were going to shoot the first two episodes, my mom passed away. Mm -hmm. And so naturally my life was devastated, but it's again, one of those things where, you know, I think as artists, we use that as fuel. I had created all of this music that would be like a companion piece to the web series whenever I shot it, that you could at the end download this mixtape. I just started going out and performing as Rodimus Prime, really as a catharsis to get through losing my mother. And along the way, I'm singing, you know, fat girl sex anthems and white, white man with a black woman's butt, poverty porn. These are all part of my repertoire as an artist, yeah. not thinking that this is gonna be a part of a film. Yeah. But really just needing something to kind of get through the loss. And at the same time, I was like connecting with women who were aging, who were like, I'm 40, but I still like to get down. I using mean, color language here, you know, and I like them youngins and stuff. So the songs became a way to connect with them. And after two years of performing all over the place, I came back, looked at the web series. At that time, it felt a little too pedestrian for all of this storytelling I was doing in the world and then I just decided it would be a feature film so like a lot of people it comes out of adversity absolutely so it is very open and honest and of course semi-autobiographical audiences generally dismiss the semi part and just assume it's your complete story so how did you manage that having some of your personal story out there and 
what to share and what to keep to yourself because you were grieving and you do mention your mother's passing and I, I, you know, seeing your mother's real images in the film, that's so personal and so giving of you to share that and though it was your catharsis it's still personal so how did you balance that especially from a critical eye being the director as well the, I mean the create you know you've got to be yeah. and not too emotional when I decided to make it a film the web series was kind of almost like an outline sure and now what I had to do was meld the episodes into this arc and also create or separate myself in a way where it's like I had to do what was going to serve the narrative yeah. and so there were certain personal elements that I did take out of there because it was like this is now a character going on a journey and so along with that I had to create things that weren't necessarily true of my life like the 30 and the 30 award I have not ever won that award okay. um, but the reason I think it becomes an important device is because it is an award that happened in the past that is about an age you mm. know like celebrating somebody who was 30 because that seems to be when you're considered viable or yeah. what you do is phenomenal because you're only 30 years old. There is no 40 under 40, there is no 50 under 50 award. You know what I mean? And so I created that. And then I also invented the choking because while it's not something that happened in my life, it is something I fantasize about okay. all the damn time. And I had to choke that man for all of us. So it, it is fictional, but it's also a fantasy. And yeah. I remember working with a group of writers in LA at one point where we would just kind of round robin and share stuff. And it was a bunch of sisters and I think they were concerned for me. So they were like, well, one of them was like, does it have to be a real choke? Can we come back and realize it was a fantasy? I said, no, sis, no, I have to do this for all of us. <laughs> um, and I also in doing that and creating that device in storytelling, you have to I like a character who plots their own way mm -hmm. and where they end up is a result of some action. And so if she choked this guy, she'd have nowhere else to go but to hip hop. So mm -hmm. it was in creating things that weren't necessarily true to my life, but felt necessary for the character. So who was your checker then? Cause you said you could remove yourself as much as you could but there's always gonna be an element of like, no, I just have to have this bit or I, I'm scared to have this bit out there. So who was your yeah. go to? It's kind of like the same two or three people. And one of them is Keith Joseph Atkins, who is a playwright from Ohio, but has created a theater scene in New York for Black storytellers. And he's just someone who I trust. And I feel like every writer, artist, whatever, should have that one person who's not afraid to tell them the truth. Right. And so he knows me, he knows my life, he knows what I'm pulling from, but he also knows story. And so he's been really integral to like just being that person to bounce ideas off of. And, um, but at the end of the day, it was me, you know, it had to feel right to me. I'm the person looking at the dailies and exactly, sitting yeah. with my editor, Rob Wilson, and just saying like, I don't know, something is missing. And Rob has a musical background. So his impulses were about rhythm. He was like, well, you created this rhythm here. And so how do we push through on that? So I think, especially for a first time filmmaker, it's so important to surround yourself with people who may not necessarily have a lot of experience, but aren't afraid to tell you the truth, yeah. you know, and then it's up to you to decide if their truth resonates. And then, you know, Lena Waith, big supporter. So what's it like having a friend like Lena in your pocket? I mean, that's a bonus, yes. right? But however, I, you know, I've got friends in the industry and though I can call on them, sometimes pride, sometimes fear, and sometimes not wanting to take advantage of their success plays on my mind before I even dare to say, um, yeah. 
just so how did that conversation go between you and Lena and then it were bearing this wonderful fruit yeah um sis I had those same concerns which is why it took me so long to say yes to her because I've known Lena for as long as I'd gone out to LA to work in TV and that's like 2013 2014 we met very early on in her producing career but she had been writing at the time and we were a part of a collective Mm-hmm. of black women TV writers who were just finding fellowship in each other in LA. And we met like once a month or something like that. And we hit it off because she's from Chicago, I'm from New York. We both were raised by fearless black women. And we would always tease each other about who was gonna go Hollywood first. You know, like, <laughs> all right, next time I see you, if I see that blonde weave and blue contacts, I'm gonna have to snatch that shit. She said, yeah, yeah, well, you just, you just be careful with how many white men you dating out there. You know, like we would always see each other. And so we'd been friends for a while and she, in her own way, as her star was rising, was always reaching back to say, how's it going with this 40-year-old version thing? I know that you're looking for producers. Let me suggest some people. And then once she won the Emmy, it was a game changer for all of us. You know, she now had the power to gatekeep and green light like other people in the biz. And we were at Sundance, which once I moved back from LA and I moved back East, Sundance was a place where everyone would come together. So it was where she and I would hang out and we'd go to movies together. And I was at Sundance in the Eccles Theater. I'll come back to that in a second, but in the Eccles Theater, which seats about 1200 people. We were sitting together and we had just seen a movie that was a little questionable. Okay. (laughs) And we both were kind of grunting at the same places and stuff. And she looked over at me and she's like, yo, this is like when the credits are rolling. She was like, what's up with your movie? Are you going to let me fucking help you or what? And all I had to say was yes to a friend. But I had those same concerns too. You know, when you work with friends, you really have a test of the relationship because I have some very, very close friends in my life who don't know me as a director. Right. Sometimes that can change a relationship. I know because I've been through it where me and a very, very best friend tried to work on something together. And when they saw how I was as a director, they were like, I don't know. I don't know. So that's what I went into my thing with Lena is I was thinking about it and she had offered to help in many different ways. But in this particular moment, and this was 2019 mm-hmm. at Sundance in the Echoes Theater, I felt like she was the answer. Yeah. And as soon as I said yes to her, her and Rishi Rajani, who runs Hillman Grab with her, they went down the hill running. And by April of that year I had my financing. Wow. And then the following year, January 2020, I'm in Eccles showing my movie, The wow. 40 Year Working, which was not only in competition, but one best director. Yeah. That was a year, almost a year to the day that we were sitting in the theater. I think my message to anybody is you just have to take a chance. Yeah. Like that friend is taking a chance too. You know, like Lena hadn't seen a lot of stuff I'd done. She knew my writing. Mm. But that hashtag of hashtag trust black women oh. has really resonated in my life because she not only trusted me with telling my own story, she gave me the biggest gift by getting out of my way. Because mm. a lot of times creative producers, like they want to come in and blah, 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 blah. And that wasn't the case. I got to make the movie I wanted to make because she was my producer. Mm. And so I can't, celebrate them enough and and we definitely need more people like Lena and Rishi at the gate 
to kind of let flood the gates with us and our story. Well, you know, you like you mentioned this thing about being older, liking them youngins, and I just loved. I actually love that you cast yourself. I love that you you're in this, and I love that you cast. Is, do you say his name, Oswin Benjamin? That's it, Oswin. Mm -hmm. So because it opens up another dialogue that we don't get to see about older women and dating opportunities. Because when you do look young, but you're not young, it puts you in this crazy in-between bracket where you've got the young ones looking at you, the old guys thinking, mm, not sure. And then it's just right. like, where do, <laughs> what, what happens here? So it's just interesting. And I just want to talk about that a little bit and just seeing as you yeah. know, how did you choose Oswin? And was it actor first, personal attraction? Does that play a part? And what has been the hardest part of this whole process from being the creator? star and direction everything and that's yeah so with the first question about Oswin I wanted the person in that role for he and I to be equally yoked meaning I had my pick Jessica Daniels was my casting director and she is from New York and the reason she was so great to work with because she did have that personal investment of like we get to tell a New York story in 2019 and I want to be a part of it but she really was very open to a lot of my suggestions because there are people in the film that I cast in my mind way before I had financing right. I always knew that the person like Peter Kim who plays my best friend Archie he and I were working on theater things together the character of Archie was originally written as a young skinny white guy, oh. someone who was like half my age, so that the tension between us would be about a generational rift. But by hiring my friend, Peter Kim, we have characters who are the same age, but are in different places. Mm -hmm. So the, the conflict is about where we are in terms yeah. of success and the tension of not being on the same page, being from the same world, so to speak. Yeah. But when it came to my love interest, I wanted it to be someone who didn't have the street edge trained out of them. So I always, in my mind, wanted a rapper. One of the rappers I wanted, I'll just say it. I've not said it before. It's Joey Badass. I love him. I love him. I do too. Him. I do yeah. too. And I, before I knew he was an actor, I was like, I think Joey Badass would be the person for this role. First of all, he's not bad to look at. That's what <laughs> Joey He's not bad to look at. But also, he just has a certain energy. And yes. he's from Brooklyn and all sorts of stuff. So that's who I was thinking of for the role. And I actually went after him. And around that time, I'd seen him on Mr. Robot and all stuff. I was like, wow, this guy is good. He had like a tour or something coming up. And also I think he wanted to kind of diversify his portfolio as an actor, not necessarily play something from the same world, which I completely understand. But once I had that in my mind, I was like, okay, it still has to be a rapper for me. Mm -hmm. And Jessica had all of these great actors ready to audition because people love the script. But I really wanted to find somebody who had just a certain thing about them. Yeah. So I went on Google. I don't have a deal with them. You know, this is not advertising. This is just true. <laughs> I went to the search engine and I typed in New York rappers. Mm -hmm. And I went down like a three hour rabbit hole looking at different people and some people I had already known. And then I saw this music video by Chris Revers, who people may know as Big Pun's son. Okay. Amazing and I'd seen this thing was like two years old and I'd seen it before but I never really paid attention and then I saw this guy in the video and I was like who is this Oswin Benjamin guy then I went down a rabbit hole and I just started looking at his stuff and it was this feeling you get when you're like I think this is the person I don't think they're an actor but I think they're the person by the time he walked into the audition it was weird because we both were like I feel like I know you so the chemistry was instant this guy had never acted a day in his life the wow. first time he ever said any di dramatic dialogue was in my audition. And me and Jessica 
we were trying so bad to be cool, you know, because he was, we knew it instantly that we were like, oh, that was great. That was wonderful. Thank you for coming in. The minute he stepped out, we were like, ah, you would have thought Prince walked into our audition, you know? Um, so I, I feel like it's my most prized find. I, yeah. I don't say I discovered him. I say I stumbled upon this amazing talent who would have been anybody's gift but he was a sure blessing to the film because he and I were equally yoked. I don't have training, so to speak. We're both performers and the chemistry was natural. I mean, he ain't bad to look at either. And, and listen, ladies, he's married, okay? Okay, he is married uh, to a Why beautiful woman. That dropped up? Why I'm you sorry. have to do that? I'm sorry, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to help sisters. Yeah, protect. You know, protect their ego and their yes. image like y'all yes. is married very happily married to a beautiful young lady but i see it though people already are like an oswin benjamin i'm like yeah he and he's as as attractive as you think he is he's even sweeter and nicer than he looks if that's possible it really worked and again a recognizable situation what was the hardest yeah. part of the whole process the the hardest part Oh God, there's been so many challenging parts, but I think the hardest part has been deciding what stays in the film and what leaves because I love all of it. The initial assembly was two hours and 38 minutes and I wasn't going to do that to anybody, but I also felt like I knew this wasn't a 90 minute film. It's just to me, the word that comes to mind is epic and not epic in an adjective around how good it is, Mm -hmm. but just how vast it is. Like, I wanted it to feel populated like New York is almost a little congested with all of these different people. And, you know, where I'm kind of the satellite or the straight man, so to speak, kind of walking through this world and people seeing New York through my eyes, you know, and I feel like we've done that because I have a lot of people who are natives to New York who lived in other places and they, they look at the movie and they go, oh my God, I miss New York. And I'm like, oh baby, I miss it too. I don't know that the New York in the film actually exists on a day-to-day basis, especially since COVID, but like I wanted to capture my hometown in a capsule, so to speak, so that people who maybe are far removed or that they can kind of hold on to that, you know, and I think that we may have succeeded because people are just so thrilled by that thing. But it's hard when you've put so much work into something, then deciding like, oh, this has to go or this has to go because it's all a labor of love and it's all with artists that I absolutely love. My cousin plays a a small part, but not a small part at all. She actually was my stand-in, my cousin Tracy Wilder. And she was in a scene that when it came, it just was kind of like, you know, we're at the end of the movie, we have to keep moving. And it hurt. It hurt to cut my own cousin out of the film. She's still in the film, but this other particular scene, you know, which you get to see more of her talent, her, her beauty, I had to cut it out. It's hard, but at the end of the day, the film starts to tell you what it is and what it needs. And it then becomes bigger than your vision. It's kind of taking on its own, you know? I mean, I, you know, I could talk to you for hours, but thank you. We, and we will talk again. We will talk again, God willing, you know, People are saying there's buzz about the film. And so I'm probably coming back around to have conversations with people. But yes, I would love to continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. I love what you're doing in the world. And, um, you know, I made it for us. At the end of the day, the film, I shouldn't say I made it for us. The film is for us. Yeah. You know, it's, it's for us. And I hope it is a mirror 
to us and our culture and our beauty, wherever we are in the world, that we could see ourselves in it. Oh, you absolutely did that. And I appreciate it. And the, my peoples love it. We've been- Oh, I love it. I love hearing yeah. that. That's amazing. It's fantastic. <laughs> in the UK. So this is, this. it travels, the story travels. Awesome. So awesome. Good girl. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.